When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips. Getting you... Yes, yeah! <laughs> in the no, game. you! Ooh. You! Do you know why you're Ooh. in such a good mood? Because Radio Row's done. We are finished for the week. Not that we don't have a glorious time here. But I don't know about anyone else. I feel a bit broken. I'm tired. After five I'm sick days, of your being voice crammed into a tiny space. Um, and then this weekend, we're going ice fishing in a tiny little cabin. So, what a glorious thing <laughs> for you! How much you're going to enjoy that? Has anyone asked Greg Rosenthal? Because he would definitely come. Oh, what if you wanted to come ice fishing? <laughs> yeah, he would. We do actually do have a spare seat now. He would do anything with us. Lindsay, do you want to come ice fishing with us tomorrow? She said she'll. Okay. Tomorrow, 9.30 at our hotel. Boom. By the way, that's uh, around the NFL. Because everyone who listens to our show obviously listens to around the NFL. Uh, Lindsay Fulton has just sat using our table as if it's nothing. She Do you know why? strolled over here, set herself up, started trying to use our internet as well. It's a disgrace. You she's know pretty why? aggressive. She's, she's, she's not aggressive. Be, she's one of the most aggressive human beings I've ever met. Leave it out. <laughs> Stop it. I'm really enjoying this because she doesn't have this a is, headset This on. is out of order. <laughs> she's, she's here because the around the NFL doesn't have its own table and it's too busy in the workroom doesn't do live stuff that's why yeah that's, that's the rule apparently I only really? found that out I only found that out this week never told them that we don't normally do live stuff we only started doing it this year so <laughs> say it quietly shut your pie hole oh, Willie oh by the way I invited uh, Daniela from the engineering team out for a drink with us because we owe her about seven She's sorting out an ISDN line for us. Is there anybody that would not invite you for a drink tonight? <laughs> Hello. There's quite a few of the PRs coming. I invited Tory Holt. He said no. Um, <laughs> but he did remember who you were, which is pretty yeah. glorious. Seth DeValve didn't. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't there when that interview happened, actually. No, I wasn't there last year. Uh, that, that was very up, funny. Yes. No, it's not funny. He was going, that guy looks like he's lost a bit of weight. <laughs> and yet somehow gained an incredibly shapeless face. He remembered me. And then when you turned up, he went, oh, yeah, it's you. <laughs> Pretty recognisable. Yeah. You are three hundred pounds of ginger. <laughs> there is that. The big ginger. How big how good was that finding that poster last night? Which that, one? The the one that says try a big ginger. No, I thought it was good. Oh, you're a disgrace. Oh yeah, we have to do this that, that at six forty five. Gotta remember that as well. <laughs> that is completely pointless. Doing our friends at San Antonio, we need to invite them for a drink after they're finished as well. We need to invite everyone on Radio Road to How about you stand in the middle of a platform and say, Drinks in Margaritasville. Not that Lindsay approves of that, as she's told us in no certain terms with her usual brand of aggression. <laughs> as negative as you, that's what I've found. One second, I've just got to say, coming for a drink? Half an hour's time? You know where. You know where. Oh my, this is devastating news. We've got to stop the podcast. Our ESPN friends are leaving. When are you, when are you going? When are you leaving? Fine. I'll see, we'll see you before you go. That's fine. <laughs> we'll see you before you go. That's not a problem. I thought you were literally leaving now and we're going to have to stop the podcast, but it's not a problem. Um, this is terrible that we're just leaving all of this in, but we've got to make sure we're men of the people. This is what happens. <laughs> and here's another guy we know. Yeah, I'm not talking to anyone else now I'm just cracking on with it so we had another really good day today we had some really uh, cracking interviews to, to kick off the day and what we're going to do we're gonna, a lot of the stuff we've done this week is going to come out next week Melvin Ingram was great 
We had uh, Thomas Morstead, which was just amazing. David Baker from the Hall of Fame. We should probably put that in this podcast because we talk about this weekend's Hall of Fame. Yeah. And then the, the latter half of this podcast, uh, basically, um, we've been working with the NFL with a few players who want to get into the media, want uh, like a chance. So they've been working with ourselves, a bit with Sirius, a bit with CBS. To, We've they, just been they, showing them the ropes, haven't yeah. we, with, with broadcasting heavyweight Will Gavin <laughs> leading the charge. <laughs> You're ridiculous. That's exactly what's happened. Um, <laughs> So we've been getting them over and doing some interviews with them, having them involved in interviews. And we had a great hour this morning with Buffalo Bills, uh, Lorenzo Alexander, and with Ryan Harris, Super Bowl 50 winner with the Denver Broncos. And actually, while they were on, we were joined by Green Bay Packers running back Jamal Williams and by Virgil Green, newly free-agented tight end of the Broncos. And basically, they did interviews with them. And as people are going to hear here, if you have listened to these shows before and thought, one of the reasons I like the Gridiron Show is the overall quality of the interviews is quite high. You're going to hear how Just you wait. you're going to hear how real pros do it <laughs> and realise that what we normally do is pretty low ebb. It's pretty low quality. And uh, please don't subscribe. Do you mean low yeah. end? No low ebb. Okay, low ebb. Ebb and flow is the phrase. Come on. Um, I don't think low ebb really works. Say again. I don't think, it works, I don't think low ebb works. I'm going to start writing it in every. I think on it's the low end somewhere. It doesn't work. Yeah. I don't care. Low ebb means like low in you confidence. Give it the lowest ebb. The ebb and the flow. Nah. Yeah, but that doesn't work. Well, I'm going with it anyway. I mean, it, it does when he explodes like that, but I still don't it think doesn't, it really Yeah, does. it didn't work then. It was low end. So yeah. all of that stuff. Said low end. End. Yeah, that's so all of that stuff's coming up later on the show, and then we're uh, <laughs> the best part is I'm not sat in front of the desk, but I'm still in enough reach of Ollie. Get and off! <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> Not now! <laughs> We're going to have to explain that at some point, no. aren't we? Come on. It's not an, now! It's oh. An in-joke we've got with ourselves that's not with the listeners is not a good in-joke. Fine. Good. Um, but last I went to the basketball, how did you enjoy that match, Sherry? I thought it was one of the worst evenings of my life. I can't, like, I had a great time. We, we went with a really good group of guys. We're chatting, had a few beers, went out for a couple of beers afterwards. We saw Little John at halftime. We won free yoghurt, which we've not actually gone and sorted out and picked up. Uh, it's been I thought it'd been great overall yeah it was fun I totally forgot that we put Michael Silver at this time should we get him on should we get him on on the podcast right now no we haven't he's over there (laughs) we definitely put Michael Silver though just remembered yeah he's just wandered over to the table did we book James Jones Uh, yeah we did yeah he came over Nat did him great good because I forgot about that as well (laughs) I basically thought we blocked out the afternoon and cancelled and it was pretty good James Jones he's really good and uh it got to seven minutes the guy comes over I was just about to launch into some Rogers chat bit of Hundley what, why, what does he think about Van Pelt being fired and Rogers not even knowing anything about it oh see you later James well luckily enough we've got all that stuff coming up with Jamal Williams oh very nice well why, why the listeners are thinking weren't you involved with that Ollie oh graciously I gave up my seat so that uh, Ryan Harris and uh, Lorenzo Alexander could do the best intervo- interviews that have ever been broadcast by the Gridiron Show. Brilliant. Um, Just answer my own question. Sorry, guys. Well done, buddy. You've done a great job. Yeah. Uh, other than that, everyone else has been dossing off, going dog sledding, having a whale of a time. So what we're going to do, we are going to, tomorrow we're going ice fishing. Tomorrow morning, with the brilliant Pat, who we met in New Orleans, who we've told the story about on this podcast before. He's coming to pick us up with his uncle in his truck, 
the three of us are going ice fishing with them. We're having beers. It's going to be a great time. Great time. Then we're going to come back here to Radio Row on Saturday afternoon when no one else is still here. So loud, Matthew. And record our actual Stop podcast it. breaking down the game Stop with it. a few guests. We'll hear from a few of the interviews that Matt's been doing for his Belichick piece. Bit of Everson Walls in there. Bit of, why are you making a face? You've done it here. You've used the equipment. It's going in the podcast, whether you like it or not. Uh, <laughs> um, we've got, uh, we'll have some of that stuff in there. We'll talk some eagles. We'll, we'll break it all down. It'll be really great. So that's coming out on Sunday morning. You'll get to listen to it just before the game. Perfect. Also, if you're going to the party, we're doing a video thing. What's it really? What is it? little mini pre-game show. A little pre-game show. Are we? Yeah. We're going to go and do the tops and tails. Why haven't now. I heard anything? We've had about Greg this? Rosenthal on it. We had what? Bruce Gradkowski. We what? had Leisure Duzabal. It was great. Okay. Du you were recording the yeah. Talk Sport preview show. No, I can't even pretend to be upset about it. I saw you doing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is a disgrace. Um, is there anything you guys want to bring up? Discuss? No, 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 really. A couple days. of things, very quickly. Benjamin Mendy came and said hello. Lovely fella. Yeah, you can hear that on Talk Sport. But yeah. he was a lovely fella. Man City left he, back. He also. Um, there were two very funny moments in that uh, interview with Benjamin Mendy. The, se the second one was when we asked him about whether he's going to enjoy the so coming back out to the US, having seen it now and doing the US tour. And he, he made a joke about like, oh, maybe I'll schedule a game against the winning team from this weekend. But the real funny moment was when Nat asked him, he said like Tom Brady, 40 years old. And he did it. Did you notice both of us did it to a bit, but Nat really spoke to him in broken English. No, like I didn't listen to it, mate. Dad on holiday kind of going, you know... <laughs> <laughs> um, wasn't listening Nat said <laughs> Brady like at 40 what's he you were stood right here like, I wasn't listening <laughs> no I didn't listen to it <laughs> thanks buddy um, yeah he was Nat was like oh, Brady at 40 brilliant like he's still able to be at the top of his game and Benjamin he kind of went on a little thing saying yeah uh, he'd been watching the Patriots uh, ever since he started watching it on TV and he loved it and he thought they were a great team and he loved Tom Brady and Nat went and you're going to love this Nat went how does Brady do it? meaning how does he still play at such a high level at the age of 40? Benjamin Mendy went well <laughs> he's the quarterback he, he throws the ball <laughs> that's great that is great can, you, can we clip that? Can we put it to Clips of the Week? Oh, that's I think great. we'll get it in here as well. Because it was genuinely, he looked at him completely confused. I just went, he's the quarterback, no? He is quarterback. Throws uh, the ball. <laughs> it was just great. It was really uh, I want to bring uh, Benjamin Mendy. And I also want to talk I also about talked Brexit with Tracy Crouch, which was weird. Yeah, move on. <laughs> uh, I also want to uh, talk about Thomas Morstead, who he was our first interview of the day. At 8.15. 8.15. By about 8.20, they didn't even give us the wrap-up sign, and we thought, oh, we better, we better wrap up. He stayed at our desk whilst you did a different radio hit, just chatting to me and yeah. Sherry about fish and chips, about his kids, about life. Mint about sauce. Mint sauce on chips, on oh, mushy peas. There's about 16 or 17 minutes of an interview there that we will bring out in the next couple of weeks. He is. It's not time-specific, but that Norlin Saints team that won it what nine years ago now eight years ago yeah. now they might be my favorite Super Bowl winning team of the, the last decade in terms of like everyone we speak to from that team is amazing Lance Moore was hanging out with um, 
with uh, Bruce earlier, with Bruce Gradkowski, and came over and was chatting to him. And I, I was introduced to him and said, oh, hi, this is Will. And I went, hi, I'm Will. And he went, hi, I'm Lance Moore. And I went, oh. <laughs> Didn't recognise him at all. Felt terrible about oh, it. But he was just like immediately. Bef- he, he honestly gives us a bad before yeah, before we even does. asked. Mom. He was upset that uh, <laughs> Lance Moore didn't recognise him. Yeah. Oh, you don't know who I am. Uh, I'm talking so to Will Gavin. To the world, <laughs> before he even asked, <laughs> he handed over his card, said, "Get me on. We'll come on sometime. It'll be great." So we're getting Lance Moore on at some point. Oh, great. Well, well. Good, good networking, buddy. Thanks, man. <laughs> 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 should we listen to the interviews? Yeah, yeah, should we start off with uh, the Hall of Fame stuff and then move on to the, uh, the stuff with the guys who joined us today? So first of all, David Baker and Lisa Roy uh, talking about the new Hall of Fame building, this weekend's Hall of Fame class. And I'm going to just plant this seed in your mind now. I'm wondering how the listeners think David Baker feels about T.O., because I know what me and Sherry thought by the end of the interview. So maybe tweet us at Gridiron and let us know. And hear from Lorenzo Alexander, Ryan Harris, all the other guys. Uh, enjoy. We'll be back tomorrow with an actual breakdown of the Super Bowl podcast. Really looking forward to it. Thank you for listening. Touchdown trips. The guys are out today, actually. We need to go for a trip with them as well. We're, we're taking the biggest party to Margarita for the whole time. Getting them in margaritas. <laughs> so uh, this has been the Gridiron Show. Enjoy. Welcome back to Radio Row. It's Super Bowl week, of course. A massive part of Super Bowl week is Saturday night. We've got the honours. We're going to be seeing who's going to be going to the Hall of Fame this weekend. And delighted to be joined by the main man from the Hall of Fame, uh, David Baker. Good morning to you. How are you doing? Hey, good morning. Great to be with you guys. It is uh, Super Bowl Sunday that everybody's going to be watching. But before that is Selection Saturday, where we will pick between four to eight members uh, of, of a spectacular finalist group uh, to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in August at Johnson Controls Hall of Fame Village. And, and you're not wrong, David. It is a spectacular group this year. I mean, just from the first ballot, guys, you've almost got five who could go in first time. Yeah, I mean, I mean you got uh, Ray Lewis, you got Randy Moss, you got uh, Steve Hutchison, you got Everson Walls. Let's see, uh, Everson Walls is a a first-time guy, but let's see, uh, who, who else am I missing there amongst the... Uh, Terrell Brian Erlacher? <laughs> Brian yeah. Erlacher, yeah. I mean, but it's it's 18 finalists, and we had a uh, reception with him last night to kind of go over everything. There's a lot of nervous guys. Uh, it's going to be interesting, and I have the great privilege of knocking on the door of the guys who are selected, and it is, um, every one of them cries. It's their preeminent moment of their professional life. So, uh, on that, too, so it's, it's a process that maybe people that aren't familiar with in the UK, but this idea of knocking on the door, and we, we've had, you know, Everson's been here, Tony Baselli's been here this week, and yeah. they all talk about sitting nervously in that room and waiting for the knock to come. Just explain what that process is. Well, we bring all 18 together here at the Super Bowl. We've got them in one hotel. Um, we start at 6.30 uh, with our selectors. Our selectors are, like yourselves, the preeminent guys in the media, like Peter King from Sports Illustrated or Jared Bell from USA Today or Sal Palantonio from ESPN. And you got to get 80% of those guys to agree on you in order to make it in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So it's not easy. Uh, but the uh, accounting firm of Deloitte & Touche will give me an envelope, uh, generally about uh, 5, 5.30. And we... 
have with a camera crew go around and knock on the door of the guys that are selected. And some legendary things have happened where people have knocked on that door and they're screaming and yelling and they find out that it's room service or the maid. And, uh, you know, there have been times where we I knocked on Jerome Bettis's door, the bus, and he, uh, you know, thought it was too late and he'd given up and thought he wasn't selected, so he left. Um, it, 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 but it is incredible, the emotions that happens. Last year, Jerry Jones, $6 billion, the P.T. Barnum of our time, uh, he had 25 family members with him, and when I knocked on their door, they went crazy. But every one of them cries. Every one of them in that moment are, isn't thinking about their records or their trophies. They're thinking about the people that got them there. They think about the journey that they made. And so it's, it's, it's a phenomenal experience. We then take them over to the honor show and introduce them live to the world at uh, 7 o'clock. Um, you know, we, we have a press conference afterwards. They take them to the Super Bowl the next day. And the next day, we start measuring them for their bust and their gold jacket and their, you know, ring of excellence by K Jewelers and you know, all the things associated with it. But, and it's an incredible ride after that. I, I remember a month before the enshrinement last year, Jerry Jones called me and he said, Hey, I just want to tell you. He goes, you told me that this was going to change my life. And I didn't think anything could change my life. But this has changed my life. And I think it changes the life of every guy whose door we get to knock on. Uh, Jerry Kramer as well, isn't, isn't he one of the finalists? This yeah, year? Jer- I, think, I think everybody in the football world wants to see, wants to see him get, uh, yeah. get that final point. On his, on yeah, his there's career. a guy who was you know, one of the heroes of Super Bowl I and the Ice Bowl and Super Bowl II and uh, you know, has waited a long time for this opportunity. And uh, you know, I think I know Jerry's in his 80s right now. I won't say exactly what. You know, it's, it's, uh, I don't want to embarrass him on that age, but uh, I tell you, he's a good guy. He's done a lot for this game. But all of these guys are. It's an incredible honor for them to be a finalist. Uh, but the work of picking who in the Hall of Fame is very serious, very challenging. Uh, you know, the guys who who are selectors, uh, to, for them, it's a fiduciary duty to the game itself. And so, it, 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 it's it's not easy. And, <laughs> and for those who maybe occasionally question the selection process, particularly when you have a player maybe like To, who has caused some controversy over the last couple of years over whether or not he should be in. You, you uh, mean you mean people questioning uh, like To? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, fair. If anyone is questioning that Terrell Owens not being in the Hall of Fame, it's probably Terrell Owens more than anyone else. But. Um, what is there a, a is there a review process into how that process is done? Have you ever looked at it and thought about whether or not you would change it, or has it just been it works? So we're going for it. Constantly, it's being looked at. It, it, there is a board of trustees uh, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, that is 32 members. Uh, you know that meets six different times a year, including the enshrinement, which is our annual meeting, and they're constantly reviewing it. There's a separate committee just for the selection process, and every year it's tinkered with a little bit. But I do think that the trustees feel that this is an incredible process. Uh, you know, baseball kind of you know emails theirs in. Uh, this is a process that lasts all year. We we start with uh, a process that you know takes a hundred candidates. Then it goes to twenty-five. Then it goes to fifteen. Then we add the senior committee. Then we add the contributors committee. You know, then we get into the room itself, and there's ten hours of debate on this. So this is far more exhaustive than any other sport. Uh, from that perspective and we're going to constantly look at ways we can do each other but what I would tell you know uh, Terrell Owens 
is that, or anybody else who questions the process, it's not easy to get in the Hall of Fame. It should be hard to get in the Hall of Fame. It should be impossibly hard to get in the Hall of Fame. It is the Hall of Fame. And it's not the Hall of Good. It's the Hall of Fame. And, you know, a guy like Lynn Swan, who I would say is an incredible receiver and in his day was every bit as Terrell Owens. He was a finalist 14 years. And, and, and yet, when he makes it, nobody cares that it was 14 years or whether it was a, hall, a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, he made it. And he's Hall of Famer, Lynn Swan, now. So it's, it's, uh, it's hard. We, 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 I think it's the best process by far, and we'll continue to look at it. For all, um, I've, I've kind of been to a lot of games now in the U.S., a lot of these cities. I've not actually been to the Hall of well, Fame. I, I went about three or four years ago. We made, specifically made the pilgrimage. We went and we did a game in Chicago, and then we were driving down, and we were going to a... Uh, we did a Thursday night game. We were going to a Penn State game on the Saturday, so we went via Canton on the Friday, and I absolutely loved it. And it's about to get even better based on what you guys were telling us before you sat down. Um, it, it's a place I think a lot of fans in the UK would be interested in, so could you just kind of tell us the, the Johnson's Control Hall of Fame Village is being built? You've described it as football Disneyland, so could you just tell us a little bit more about that as well? Well, you know, uh, when Walt Disney built Disneyland, he did it on the backs of a cartoon mouse. <laughs> uh, he didn't have all these legendary <laughs> heroes who show all this courage and perseverance and all the values of the game. He didn't have 32 clubs. He didn't have this incredible TV product. He didn't have all guys like you from all over the world who are coming together, you know, and, and talking about it. Um, so we have, uh, you know, are very fortunate to have a partner uh, and I've got with me here Lisa Roy, uh, who heads up Johnson Controls, uh, and, and they are our partner for Johnson Controls Hall of Fame Village to make this the first smart and sports entertainment you know, venue in the world. And if Walt Disney had the happiest place on earth, we've got the most inspiring place on earth. And uh, we're getting ready for the 100th anniversary of the NFL from when it started in Canton, uh, and that'll be September 17th of 2020. Uh, but this is going to be energy efficient. It is going to be techno technologically uh, profound. It is going to be a wonderful experience. You know, one of the truisms of the NFL is of all those people who are NFL fans, only 7% ever get to go to a game because they're all season tickets and they're sold out. So those 93% never get to go to a game. They watch it on TV, whether it's in the UK or here. And, and for us, we can be that place for those fans, not just eight games a year at the stadium, but 365 days a year, and they can experience not only what it's like to be at the game, but to be in the game, and the science of the game, and everything else. And for Johnson Controls, I'll let Lisa speak to this, but it's just so much more than, 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 than just smart buildings. It is the experience, it's the immersion in this in a big way. Yeah, our, our company has been around for over 125 years, building buildings, operating buildings, and using technology in a way that helps us to make more sustainable facilities. But when we heard David Baker's vision about the Hall of Fame Museum and what the village could be, it was an instant connection around the values of the game, preserving the history, but using technology in a way that helps bring that out and being able to really make the fan experience something that has never been done before. So using all of our knowledge around buildings and technology, we're able to actually expand that fan experience and get, connect people not only away to the game, but to the players and those Hall of Fame and Shrinees in a way that they never had before. 
Fantastic. I'm genuinely, you've drawn me in, I'm coming back. I thought it was one of those things you maybe only had to do once and maybe go back, you know, 25 years later, but uh, yeah. You're going to have to come back. Don't worry, absolutely. Well, it's, it's already changed in those, uh, you know, three I'm years sure that you were has. there. But but we got to get you back. You, you're you're going to enjoy it. It's going to be a wonderful centennial celebration, you know, from no, all I those think, games that we're now playing in London. As long as you're funding it, buddy, then that's yeah, fine. <laughs> uh, brilliant stuff. Thank you so much for your time, Dave. Thank you so much for your time, Lisa. Exciting stuff, and uh, good luck for Saturday. Hopefully, uh, everyone's happy with the outcome, even Tio. Well, unfortunately, that's probably not the case. Not, not everyone will be happy, but I'll tell you, we'll have some uh, a great class, I'm sure. Four days like no other. A festival like no other. For a bookmaker like no other. Bet Fred. Get up to £40 in free bets when you sign up using promo code CHELT40 and stake £10 on any Cheltenham race. Betfred, at the heart of Cheltenham. 18 plus, new UK customers only. Available from March 6th to March 13th. £30 free bets credited within 10 hours of first bet settlement. Extra £10 free bets credited if first bet loses. Full terms at betfred.com slash promotions. Keep it fun. BeGambleAware.org. Joined by Super Bowl 50 champion. Former tackle of the Denver Broncos, Ryan Harris. How are you doing, sir? Good, Will. Good, Will. How are you doing? And the seemingly Benjamin Button of the NFL, the man who <laughs> <laughs> cannot fail. The man cannot fail. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, Lorenzo Alexander from the Buffalo Bills. How are we doing, guys? I'm doing great, man. Really enjoying the day. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, you've been here on Radio Row for a couple of days now, right? How have you been finding the whole experience? It's been pretty cool. I mean, this is my probably fourth or fifth radio row. Um, the only thing different that, this, that is this year that I'm actually having an opportunity to uh, partake in the process of actually interviewing some guests on instead of just being an interviewee. So it's really been a little bit different for me this year. And for me, man, I, I was I was on radio. I came by radio row last year, but it's been fun, man. Getting to, to meet Lorenzo Alexander, man, a guy who I respected a long time, a guy who I've played against. But to see each other outside of the field of play, and then also just take opportunities to learn, you know. And one of the things too, NFL. Every NFL player you see that's here right now is going beyond in terms of you know a lot of guys can stay home but we know a lot of the same people right. we know a lot of each other and coming here to the super bowl you know the nfl is one big office building without a lot of chairs no one sits down for a long time so you know a lot of people you rub shoulders with a lot of people and it's always good to be around people not just that you know but that you have shared experiences with and that's why i, I that's why i have such a great time at the super bowls so you're spending a, a couple of hours with us today what did you get up to Yesterday, what, what, who did you see? What did you do? What you, you said, Lorenzo, that you were partaking in some interviews and you being the interviewer. Right, right. Well, last night I got to get on with uh, John Clayton on Sirius Radio, um, and we had several guests coming through. We had Duquel Jackson, we had um, Vernon as well with the Redskins, title for the Washington Redskins, and then just kind of just kind of doing the whole circuit within here. I mean, I have uh, some relationships just around the league from playing. Obviously, I'm still in Buffalo, uh, so with the John Murphy show, so I was over with T uh, Steve Tasker, uh, who's an all-pro uh, player in this league for a long time, and just kind of hitting around, also with the Washington Redskins, spent some time there as well. So it's just, like he's saying, though, like Ryan had said earlier, um, it's just like a big family reunion. You know, you kind of come back and kind of ready to row is kind of the, the meeting place that you kind of get to see your guys from around the league, some media members that you've had contact uh, with throughout your career, and really just kind of reconnect, build new relationships, and continue to grow the ones that you've already had. Ryan, you said you guys played against each other in your career. Did he ever beat you for a sack? 
No, because he was inside on the in, inside. Yeah, but he, I've, I've seen him get <laughs> Did you not see the season he had last year where out of nowhere right. he suddenly had... But, but what you guys don't know about Lorenzo Alexander is he is the ultimate success story in the NFL. I mean, guys just cannot believe. Even yesterday, I, I talked to him about it. This We cannot <laughs> right. believe. It's hard to make it in the NFL, period. Now, he's played three different positions in the NFL. He's played on the defensive line. Okay, that's, you know, on defense when they're right there, you know, in front of trying to sack the quarterback. Then the offensive line. And then they said play special teams. Really four positions because special teams are a position in itself. itself. Right. And then now he's an all-pro. He's about to be an all-pro linebacker. I mean, this guy is un- unbeatable. So it's a lot of fun to, to chat and, and talk with him outside of the game. But, uh, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's fun and, and Fortunately, I was not one of his victims on the field. <laughs> <laughs> that, that season, Lorenzo, which was, I, I mean, kind of a little bit out of nowhere, but at the same time, yeah, at, like, and it's, 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 it's never right. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, you got to put in context, the out of nowhere, people seem like you haven't been in the league, you haven't been, been productive. Um, I think like with a lot of players, it's all about what your role is. Everybody's not going to be the every down starter. And coming in the league, I was a guy that was a special teams guy and a backup role player. So I would play majority of special teams, play 100% there, and then maybe 10 to 15 reps on defense. Or sometimes early in my career, I'd be get maybe 10 to 15 reps as well on offense, kind of bouncing back and forth. And that's kind of been my role the entire time, more of a gap filler and helping out wherever our team needed, giving our, our roster some flexibility. And then as the later I got, I got an opportunity. Some guys go down, as we talk about injuries, just come, kind of come out of nowhere and got thrusted in the starting position. And now I'm playing 60 to 70 snaps a game getting a chance to really get after it, set guys up. And then, obviously, when the Rick Ryan defense, he u- used me in various positions and was able to get some sacks and be productive. But it, it was always um, – I was always productive. Just It kind of broke out of nowhere and kind of grew just because I got more opportunity to, to kind of get the big uh, numbers. Trust me, Lorenzo, I am fully aware of how productive you were that year. <laughs> I, am, I am a sad enough football fan that I'm in an IDP fantasy league. Oh, really? Oh, defensive oh. League. And you essentially won me my league that year. So, uh, <laughs> what what did we win? Uh, nothing exciting. Did we get any money? Unfortunately not. Oh, I'll tell you chips. I, <laughs> right, I, want, I want pride and bragging rights, but I will buy you a beer for winning me the league. So there we go. Oh, that, you that, you that win works. something. <laughs> how, how difficult is it when you're in a game you're used to playing special teams, which isn't as many snaps as uh, some of the starters on offense and defense. How difficult is it when someone goes down, either in game or the next game, and you right. have then have got to up your workload two, three, four hundred percent? Well, I, you know, I train my body year round, and I, and I really take great pride in being well conditioned. And it's really not that big of deal a big of a deal as you may think because one special teams play in my mind is probably two or three offense or defensive snaps depending on what position you play because as a lineman you kind of working with a maybe a 10 yard box per se where on special teams you're covering 40 50 maybe 70 yards depending on where the returner ends up or where you have your man at um but for me that what what, what has happened and what has really allowed me to continue to play well is that the coaches have taken care of me so i get wednesdays off during the week during the season because I still play special teams now, even though I'm a defensive starter. So, obviously, being an older guy, as long as they're taking care of my legs and, and doing those things of that nature, and I'm doing a good job of taking my body, 
the wear and tear is not that bad. You get into the, the flow of the game and, and kind of figure it out. Is there anything more frustrating than when you cover 60, 70 yards, gun it downfield, and then there's a block in the back call or uh, or a holding? <laughs> I hate that. Is the worst thing as as a, as a as a cover guy. I mean, nothing happens. Nothing good happens on a re-kick. It's kind of like the mantra across the league with special teams coaches because you can go down there have a big a big hit, blow up somebody inside the 20 or on a punt, and there's a you know a holding or offsides on a kickoff, and now you have to go do it again. Now you're talking about being tired. I had to do that up in Denver one year, you know, Mile High Stadium, and covered two punts, and they had a pretty good punt returner back there, and you dead tired and have to go to, go right back out and try to do it. So that's that's probably the toughest times I probably have conditioning wise on the field. Ryan, did you you don't you didn't do any special teams? It's not really somewhere that a. Uh, uh, a prize offensive lineman. You don't want him getting injured <laughs> no. uh, doing special teams, right? I, I'll tell you something. The most dangerous play in football is field goal. And unfortunately, oh, as an yeah. offensive lineman, no matter how good you are, <laughs> you must play field goal. And I'm telling you, people, the first death in football will be on field goal. Because, I mean, people, the guys like Lorenzo Alexander are pissed because you just marched 80 yards yep. down the field. May or may not have scored on him. And he's got one free play. He may or may not yeah. get to the ball, but right. he's going to try and break your face mask. <laughs> and all right. you can do is wait for it. Yeah, I mean, right. watching the field goal this Super Bowl. These guys will take one step and they'll put their arms out and they are praying to God that they don't <laughs> die because that is the most violent play in all of football. Wow, Ryan is absolutely right. Now, and I've been on, I've been at guard in the old school days where you can load up and you can have probably two, three hundred pounders, two pushers behind them. The rules have changed since then, so you essentially have a thousand pounds on you. And then I've also played the tight end position where you're just out there and in space, you really have no help at all. And this most of the time, you get double teamed. And like Ryan is saying, I, I relish the moment to tee off on guys because yeah. I've been teed off on. That's, what, see, that's what's wrong. You, you're wrong for that. And you know, they, they have a saying, die slow. Yeah, that's what they right. say. When, yeah, when you're, so, so you got you know the initial kind of you know front five of the uh, field goal. They're, they're set. You can't really move them too much. But that tight end has to take on three guys at the same time. Yeah. They want you to take one on your right bicep, uh, yeah. one down your chest, <laughs> and one on the left bicep. And they say die slow. Oh, it's right. brutal, man. That's it's brutal. ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing, by the way. That's the good. No one's ever told us that before. So no. on Radio <laughs> Row, you hear the same things over and over again. But field goal, the most dangerous play. Delighted to now be joined on Radio Row. And we've still got Ryan Harris and Lorenzo Alexander with us. But Jamal Williams running back with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, first thing, Jamal. Last year, we sat here and you were starting your draft process and you were just building up to it. And we actually sat here with you and Aaron Jones because you happened to be represented by the same agent. Mm -hmm. Did you ever think you'd end up drafted on the same team? No, nah, honestly, I didn't think so. You know, uh, I got drafted, then, then I was seeing Aaron get drafted. I was like, man, you know, I guess good things happen, you know. So I already got somebody I'm familiar with. We got the same agent. We already talked, so, and we going in at the same time, so. Pretty much is just us learning together. So when you arrived for those first rookie mini camps, those first OTAs, having that other guy with you, both at the position and the guy you knew so well, how much did that help you with the transition? Uh, I think it helped pretty well. Uh, we helping each other out. You know, if we didn't understand something, we roommates too. So really, we just trying to bring the best out of each other, especially when we see one of us doing great in the game, right. you know, and the other one's still waiting to get a chance. So we just know that we go out there and do our thing. Right, so tell us a little bit about the transition. You know, obviously moving up to Green Bay, which is a totally different culture up there, and then just that your entire first season. Like, when did you hit the wall, the rookie wall that everybody kind of talks about? 
Damn. Green Bay wasn't as bad because I went to BYU, so I was in. Oh, okay. I'm used to the cold already a little bit, but this is a different cold. <laughs> You're used to being the only black person for 30 miles <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> outside of the team. Yeah. Right. BYU, so I, yeah. it, ain't, it ain't really that different from BYU to Green right. Bay, so it was pretty much like similar. It's just okay. the cold. I, I ain't get used to eight degrees yet. Yeah. <laughs> when we got to the end of the season, I was like, I got to put a hoodie on. My ears hurt just walking to the airport. So it was just weird then. But the season was great, I feel. You know, for my first year, I feel like I learned a lot. I learned more about myself, mm -hmm. especially of uh, route running because, you know, right. I didn't know that you running backs for everything outside, inside, slot, you know. So it's just they put me in new positions that I've never been in playing at BYU. And I caught the ball a lot more my rookie year than I think I've ever did my whole college year. So um, I think just being in the NFL, they, they're starting to help me see unpotential things that I, I've never ever really done before you know I never had the chance to do right so I get more chances you know with Aaron or Brett whoever's back there they, they throw check downs right yeah go broke making a game right. yeah, yeah. What, what about block protection I know there's got to be huge up there protecting yeah. 12 I had a little nervous about I was a little nervous about it but once you got in there you know you just got to be a dog play how you always been playing you know and okay but, after the uh, preseason and we got right. into the regular season, I felt, you know, I could play with anybody. But I've always had the motto, like, everybody bleed red. You just got to play your game, play how you play, and, you know, and just put it on other people. Okay. Well, I'm getting a little scouting report because I think we play y'all next See, year. See, I was going to say, man, you like hey, you cut? can't be telling you. Yeah, like you better cut? watch out, man. <laughs> we okay? Do. He's real. For, and this is the difference now. <laughs> Will, you see it. A veteran's real smooth. Yeah. Uh -huh. He's asking him questions. Okay, yeah. where you at? I'm interested in this. And, uh, now he's going to go back. They play each other. Right. Hey, coach, I was talking to Jamal. Right. Uh, this season. <laughs> Jamal Williams running back for the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Jamal, let's talk money, man. Mm. You're rich now. What was your first purchase? Mine? Shoot, I bought the rich now. Shoot. Hundreds is still good enough for me. I, but you, I, bought, I like video games. So the first thing I bought, uh, it was like $350. Is this game case so I could take it everywhere and put my game in it. I could play that anywhere. Anyway, all I need is two outlets. Yeah. Two pocket outlets playing the game. I've been buying me little zoomies, right. little chains, keep me okay. little fly. But, I'm, you know. I'm a little boozy with mines yet. Yeah, I ain't there yet. What's the name of that system called? Because I see my boy Joe Webb has something. He be playing on the airplanes, flying with it. It looks kind of dope. That what, TV? Yeah, you, what is it called? Shoot, go to GameStop, go get your little <laughs> case. It's called like a, a games case. That's what it is. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Now, money management's huge, though, now. Mm -hmm. And especially with young black men. Will, young black men, especially in the league, 78% of us two years after playing in the NFL are broke and either and, you know chemically dependent or divorced or both. So what are you doing to set yourself up so you're not going to be a statistic? Uh, I'm thankful that I have a good uh, circle around me. To, you know, I don't have yes people around me, you know, and especially I got my mama. She, she definitely keeps me on the right track and just family. Yeah. You know, I just like having people who always going to keep it real with you, no matter if you got money or not. Right. You know, they ain't going to kiss your butt and tell you what you need to go buy. Go buy that. Go buy this. You know, I love my family for who they are. You know, they just real, and they they never going to let money change the way family is. So they always keep it 100 with me and tell me, you know, keep yourself budget. You know, football doesn't last. That's what I've always heard growing up. Football never lasts. So you want to make sure that you're stable and make sure that you, after football is done, 
you don't have to worry about money. You can just live your life, take care of your family and all that. Well, I will tell you to buy. Buy stock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Buy. Own what you buy. Yeah. You know, dividends, Apple, Nike. Heck, you buy some GameStop uh, stock. Uh, if I right. <laughs> One minute. So we've had Lorenzo Alexander scouting you. And I'm pretty sure we've got Ryan Harris who's trying to offer to be your money manager at this no, point. No, no, no. No, I'm not. I just, hey, I just know how tough it is. No, I, I mean, it's tough. The hardest thing to do as an adult is save money. And especially, I don't, I don't, and I don't know what, what Lorenzo and Jamal came from. I was broke in college. Right. I had, you know, macaroni and cheese three times a week, even at playing at Notre Dame. Wow. All of a sudden, you get money. It's hard not to say, I can buy that. I can buy that. Mm. I can buy that. But saving your money, and Lorenzo and I have seen it more times than we would like to to know. Guys being broke. Guys calling you, trying to offer you their used cars. Right. I got one guy <laughs> tried to call me and offer me his used Louis Vuitton backpack. Okay, mm. so. These broke stories are very real, and all of us veterans try and tell young players, "Hey, you got you don't have to live in the future with your money, but you right. got to think about it." And it's yeah, it's even more important too for us as players because obviously our, our careers are shorter. But there is a CBA negotiations looming, and I don't know if you've ever been involved or had a chance to get involved with the NFLPA. Mm. Um, they're always looking for young leaders, young brothers in the locker room to kind of continue that cycle of just educating players about the business side of football. But that's definitely something that, as a, as a guy, you have to be aware of because we could be in another lockout or a strike. Who knows yep. what's going to happen in 2021 when you're unable to make money. Mm. But, you know, I would just like to know, what, what are you plans uh, for the offseason? What do you got going on? You talk about family going home, Shoot. traveling? I did. I did for, like, the whole month of January because uh, we didn't go to playoffs. So, you right. know, I just pretty much been chilling. But now I'm starting to get back into training, get ready to go, work on my speed, do everything I can to be ready to go for this season because – I'm hungry, so, you know, the rookie year, you know, you're tired. It's right. been a long season. So now that I had just a month off, I'm already ready for next year, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to work out, get ready. But next year going to be a different beast for me because now I've already been it for a year. You know, you think you already have a year and you think you know everything. <laughs> but I don't know everything. <laughs> That's smart, man. Yeah, but I already, I already know that I feel more comfortable. So now that I feel more comfortable, I'm ready to go. I'm ready more hungry. I ain't got to worry about, you know, what the schedule's like on certain days, right. you know, certain things. But I, I feel more – I feel blessed, most importantly. But I'm happy just to be here. I'm ready to go for next season, and it's going to be a great year. Um, I don't want to kind of pour salt in that open wound, but you mentioned it. You guys didn't go to the playoffs this year. That had a lot to do with Aaron Rodgers going down and what that did to the team. But we've seen already in Green Bay this offseason a huge number of changes, and essentially everyone seems to have got a bar Mike McCarthy at this point. Um, we were sat here with Jermichael Finley the other day and he was telling us that he thought Joe Philbin was the guy to come in and get the best out of 12 and get the best out of the team when he was calling plays in that Super Bowl run. He, he thought that was the best that offense has ever looked. Have you had any chance to speak with any of the new coaches, anyone in the regime? Has anyone come to you to talk to you about your role from this year onwards? Or have you had any time to look at what you might be doing going forward with someone like Philbin? Uh, no, not yet. The uh, only person I talk to is my running back coach. Um, you know, he's just checking on, see what we're doing the offseason, what I'm going to do to improve, and things that he want me to improve on. So right. pretty much just been uh, talking to him. Do you get to do any kind of, I know there's obviously not the official off-season training with the CBA and everything, but we always hear about these camps that guys go on, whether it's receiver camps, quarterback camps. Will you get any chance to go and do some more official training, some more kind of getting together with other guys and trying to learn off each other? Mm, probably not. Right. <laughs> I've just asked you terrible right, right. questions. Right. <laughs> I want to broadcasting you. professional has been yeah. shown up massively uh, by these two former players here. In talking with Will and talking about the Packers, one of the things that never – 
you never get used to in the league is when a superstar says your name for the first time. When was the first time Aaron Rodgers said Jamal and you knew he was talking to you and you're like, dang, that's Aaron Rodgers. I still even got that. He called me 30. Oh, man. Oh, so you got to earn it some more. I still get there. He'd he be like, good job, 30. I see you, 30. Or he'd give you one of these. Give you one. Give does, one does, he know, does he know your name? Yeah, yeah. He know my oh, name. Okay, I'm making sure, man. He just called man. me 30. <laughs> okay, I'm just making sure. He called me 30. I called him 12. So, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I know how y'all get down over there. Mm. Randall Cobb is a good guy, too. Have, oh, has yeah. he been able to kind of pull you under your wing? Because he's kind of that, like that slasher, dual threat mm. receiver. Gets in the backfield a little bit as well. Mm. When uh, when I got injured and then when Aaron uh, started playing running back, he was doing good and stuff. And then I was pretty much like the third back. And okay. I played special teams. So, you know, I was in my little slumber like, man, you know, I missed my chance. Now I'm just on special teams. But in my mind, I was like, it's a long season. You know, right. you just got to keep yourself going, keep yourself motivated. So I was like, you know what, if I'm going to be on special teams, on kickoff, all this stuff, why, why not go 100%? You know, right. why not go out there and show them, you know, I want to play. I want to be a running back. You know what right. I mean? But, shoot, I went out there. I started getting tackles. I never got a tackle in my life. <laughs> That's how you do it, man. Did you hurt yourself the first no. one? Oh, no, you're good. All right. All right. Hey, ain't nothing wrong with playing it. teams, brother. Yeah. I played 12 years on teams. Yeah. Hey, that's a long career. So, mm -hmm. however you can get it and play running back at the same time, mm -hmm. you get but that's paid. a good attitude. Yeah, you get, you get paid, paid doing it. Checks the same. It is, it's, a, <laughs> it's a slightly odd situation because you're coming in there with another rookie running back. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Ty Montgomery there who's a converted wide receiver right. into a running back. So, mm -hmm. who did you learn the kind of the extra, the stuff like the, the pass blocking, that you, the pass pro that you need in the NFL? Who are you learning all that stuff from? Um, I, I pretty much had a gist of it already. I pretty much just watching film and how certain people like to do it. Like self-taught, that's what you're telling us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like self-taught, <laughs> but more, you know, just watching more people, how they do it. And I think it's more repetition. It, and it depends on the defender, too. Right. Uh, like how you want to do it. If he's more of a bull rusher, if he's more of a, you know, a spinner and all this stuff. But I, I try to go and hurry up and get on them real quick before they can do anything. Okay. Yeah. All right. Shut okay. All right. Like yeah. Come on, keep telling me. What else do you like to do? <laughs> no, see, go ahead. No, no, see, look uh, out. <laughs> keep <laughs> talking. I mean, that's a great question. Hey, man. <laughs> what else do you like to do? I ain't going to tell you about that. <laughs> see, last question for me. And, again, we're talking with Jamal Williams, running back for the Green Bay Packers. Jamal, for the young kids, it's a great Britain radio. For the young kids who may be across the pond, and don't know kind of how to start, may not have the same kind of structure that we have here in America for, American, for fo American football, what do you suggest they work on if they want to be a running back? What's important if a young man, young lady wants to be a running back in the NFL? Mm. Unless you just you just great, I'll say ball security, honestly. If you ain't got ball security. What, and what does that mean back. to you? I heard that's eagle claw, bicep, you know, keep it tight. <laughs> High and tight. Mm. High and tight. You want <laughs> like the elbow in. What, what are the actual technical fundamentals of ball security? Shoot. It's like the five points. It's like five fingertips. It's elbow, bicep, bicep yeah. chest. Well, mine, hmm. Yeah. But I started to notice more, you, you really got to keep that boy tight. Right. Defenders is coming for that all the time. It's one linebacker from the, the Buccaneers. Every time, all he did was punch, trying to punch at the ball, shoulder the ball, everything, go for that one arm. So, really, you just got to keep that high and tight, make it a, a priority. Like, when I first got there, coach was saying, no, I'm running with two hands of the ball all the time. You know, you got to relax a little bit. But I was like, I ain't trying to give up that ball because I don't want to have no reason for y'all to pull me out in the first place. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But once I started getting more relaxed and, you know, getting into it, then I felt more comfortable with it. Right. Jamal Williams, it's been genuinely a real pleasure to catch up with you again this year. And look, we'll do it again next year, but hopefully maybe we'll do it again next year 
talking to you when we're on team availability rather than here in Minnesota, having to go onto your rival's turf and, and come here as a team that haven't gone to the playoffs. So hopefully next year you get take that step further in your second year. Yeah, yes, sir. Can't wait for it. And go again. <laughs> well, we're talking about race, and I, and I bring it up often because it's important. What you don't realize is that 70% of the NFL are African-American males. And we are wealthy, and we live in predominantly white neighborhoods in the cities we're in. We experience a lot of different things, whether it's going to the bank. I have had to, People didn't believe at one time that my bank account was my bank account. They said, are you sure this is your bank account? What the hell do you mean? Am I sure this is my bank account? <laughs> right, I got all the numbers. <laughs> I got my card. And it's important, as, especially as, as veterans, that, right. we, that we encourage young black men to save their money. That we talk to young black men about, hey, you're not alone in some in, a, in an experience you face being black in the NFL, being black in an all white neighborhood. I lived in a cul-de-sac with ten other homes, and not one, only one neighbor talked to me, and he was married to to a lady of another culture. So I mean, we have these experiences, and it's important to talk about these things. And it's important for people to know that whether you agree on one way or another, our experience as young wealthy african-american males is vastly different and very similar to those who do not have money who do not have socioeconomic status and who do and who experience you know slight aggressions every day so it's important to talk about these things yeah i would agree i mean i have never you know faced something as extreme as that you know kind of outrageously but you can see when people look at you or they assume or the way they talk to you yeah like Oh, and, you know, once you tell them what you do, it's like, oh, like, you know, if I wasn't an athlete, I couldn't have accumulated this wealth. Right. So, but like you said, I mean, that's what they see first. They see color first. And it's just, it's natural. I think we all do that. Yeah. Um, to some extent, this is because of how we're brought up. But you, it, I think the, the key is, like Ryan is talking about, is to recognize it um, and uh, acknowledge it and then talk about talk it. Talk about and, it. And then so everybody comes from a place of understanding and knowing and breaking some of down some of these stereotypes that have you know obviously been formed over many many years and if you don't talk about it it just gets worse yeah yeah it gets yeah. pent up you continue to hold resentment for another and, and sometimes you know you have to extend grace to somebody who doesn't know your experience because you grew up differently people that grew up in white neighborhoods differently yeah. they know different they don't things. experience it maybe either. never had a black friend so yeah. they don't know our experience so i extend a lot of grace to people because they just are, are ignorant to our reality in a lot of cases. And once you explain it, especially in the locker room, I think that's yeah, a great place yeah. and what is easier because you see guys every day. But even in our neighborhoods with the friends and families that we have, just talking to them about it, and they're like, oh, really? That's that's yeah. how it is? They don't know. They don't experience <laughs> right. it. Right. I'm just right. going to keep on rolling through this. And hey, we'll allow them to greet each other. Oh, oh y'all oh, going to have to wait for a second. Headset. My brother, man. What up, what up, hey, what good up. to see you, man. How you doing, Have we both got the rings on? That's, that's the first yeah, they, they both, question. They both rocking them. Yeah. <laughs> We're with the man, the myth, the legend, my Super Bowl 50 brother. Oh, the ring kiss is so sweet. Virgil Green, what's up, man? Just living life, man. Yeah, so where are you coming from? You know, Denver, we, you Denver. Come, so you just left Denver, got yeah. to my home state, Minnesota, Twin Cities. Yeah, how yeah. how you liking the cold, my brother? It's a little chilly, my man. <laughs> okay. I, I could I could do it out there. Yeah, yeah. So talk about why you're out here, coming out to see the see the uh, festivities, enjoy the week. You know, I just wanted to uh, check the game out as a spectator. You know, um, allow it to motivate me this off season. You know, once you've been to a Super Bowl, whether you win or you lose, after that, that's all you want. Period. Right. Um, so I just wanted to come check out things from this side and just allow it to motivate me this offseason. You talk about winning and losing in the Super Bowl. Clearly, I, hum, thank God we won. I lost but, one. Yo, you lost. You yeah. did lose one. So <laughs> talk about talk about that because I thought, you know, before we played Super Bowl 50, I was nervous because I was like, my greatest achievement could be my greatest failure. But yeah. what's that like to lose a Super Bowl? 
it's sickening, especially to lose the way we did lose. Um, Super Bowl 48. Yeah. Right? Um, it, it was a tragic situation. We, uh, we worked our tails off all year. Peyton Manning had one of the best careers of his best seasons of his life. And uh, going into that game, we thought there was no way we could lose. We lost to Seattle in the preseason that year pretty bad. Yeah. Um, Mr. Elway came down and gave us a talking, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> going into that Super Bowl, we felt like there was no way. We've already been embarrassed by these guys in the preseason. And, uh, you know, football is a, is a chess match. You know, people don't really understand how deep the nuances are that go into this game. And they came out and they, they had a scheme, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, they had our number. We lost that one, unfortunately, but uh, we were able to get that last one for Peyton on his way out, and uh, that was a huge accomplishment. I, I want to ask about 50 Virgil, but, but just first thing on that game, because we actually had Ricardo uh, Lockett on here the other day, and we were talking about how they reacted when you had the first snap and obviously what happened there, but I think around about the Percy Harvin return, it was looking pretty done and dusted, I'm afraid. How do you then play for another 25, 30 minutes of game time and, and keep yourself motivated when, you know, you already know you've probably lost? Well, you know you got 80 million people watching. Right. You know, so it's 80 like... 80 million. You can't, you can't go out there and just say, well, we've lost. Well, you know, there's 80 million. There's, you got all your high school friends, all your college friends, and they're going to have stuff to say to you that you allow to, you know, get to you. So, um... You, you just got to play. This is what we do. This is our jobs. This is our profession. You can't go out there and just say, well, I, I'm mad. I, I'm not going to play. No. You got to put everything on film. Your whole resume is on that on that tape, regardless of what the score is. Right. Makes a lot of sense. And obviously, we feel a lot more in life than anything else, and it leads to a lot of our great successes. What are some of the things that you took from that loss that helped you two years later to come out and actually win the game? Um, just understanding how important the little things are throughout the week. You know, um, everything the coaches are telling us, taking notes, not just sitting there and, okay, yeah, I got that coach. I'll put it in my muscle memory. No. Right, right. You know, you got to write this stuff down. You got to study this stuff. Um, and how to handle – there's a lot of stress before you play a game like that, even though you've been doing this since you were a kid. Mm-hmm. Just to know that everybody's going to be watching, you kind of start learning – how to breathe and how to, you know, meditate and get those anxiety feelings out, away from you. Right. Uh, one of the things also he learned that he taught me <laughs> is don't pay for everybody to come to the Super Bowl, oh, man. Yeah. Virgil Green <laughs> saved me over $20,000, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. My kids didn't even come because the tickets were $1,800. Well, you talk about breathing and, and meditation. I think it's important to highlight that and explain to people every single football player has some type of, not, maybe it's not anxiety or fear, whatever they want to call it, but breathing, yeah. something as simple as breathing gets away from you. We're in the huddle with Peyton Manning before the game starts. He says, breathe. Yeah, breathe. How, right. how important is it to find those kind of basics in performance? Uh, I think it's, it's, it's hugely imperative to understand that our minds are taught to take negative things and let us know that be aware, be aware, be aware. And... If we let those things tell us, oh, you always got to be aware, be aware, you'll never be able to cut things loose. And that's what I really learned this last year, especially this last year I had a, a, a lot of frustration with us losing games. I never lost. I, you can go back to middle school. I, I've never been on a team that's been under 500, you know. So um, to focus on, okay, yeah, I want to win, but at the end of the day I have to do my job. 
it took a lot of me just self-reflecting and looking myself in the mirror and not pointing fingers. You always got to point your finger back at yourself and say, what can I do to help this team? And uh, I think going on from here in my career, regardless of how our seasons go, that's what I'm going to focus on. Regardless of how things are going outside of, you know, um, winning and losing, I'm going to do what I can to provide for my family and have fun playing this game. Right. We're, talk, we're talking to Virgil Green, world champion, Super Bowl 50. You're going to keep saying that, huh? Put your know, hand down, man. Let people know who they're listening down, right? to. You can hear, you can hear <laughs> the man. Saying, no, we're filming it as well. So <laughs> oh, just, there you go. Well, hi there. Yeah. Yeah. But, Virgil, we're here with the Great Britain radio station and Great Britain radio for American football. Talk about the tight end position. What does it take to play tight end, and what's important when playing tight end? I think uh, you can answer this question in a number of ways. You know, the, you have a lot of tight ends out there that uh, love to catch the ball, want to look sweet running their routes. You know, I'm the kind of tight end I like to get down and dirty, um, you know, um, hitting guys in the mouth. I like to run my mouth a little bit. Me and this gentleman here, we've had our we've had our uh, bouts. Hey, yeah, you like that? Will, you like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang out after the field. <laughs> yeah. hey. well, off the field, this gentleman <laughs> yeah, here. Right, oh yeah, man, yeah, I wish you could hear it on the field. Our gentleman's never used. I got I got a lot of respect. Um, you know, we've uh, played uh, over the years, special teams, right, on defense, and uh, you know, you just gotta love the the grind of the game, the the physicality of the game. And for a tight end like myself, that's how I've made a living. I've made a living off doing a lot of dirty work in the trenches. How ridiculous is Rob Gronkowski? He's just been cleared. He's going to be playing this weekend. <laughs> just I, 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 as a non-player watching him play, you, he just does some things at the tight end position that your jaw hits the floor. What's it like being a tight end watching what he does? Well, being a tight end watching him, you just immediately say, dang, Tom Brady is amazing. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what you say. A lot, of the, a lot of the things that he catches, it's like... Man, if, if Tom wouldn't have put that exactly where he put it, he doesn't make that play. And he is a big body. Um, you know, it's tough to get around him. I, I do think uh, he does get away with a lot of push-off. Uh, <laughs> you uh, make the Patriots get away <laughs> yeah, with penalties? A little bit of push The biggest secret in the right, NFL. Right. Yeah. We've got Denver, Buffalo, oh, all represented. There's, there's a little uh, bit of maybe anti-Patriots. No, it's facts. No, it's uh, been on the ground. Yeah, yeah. I ain't and the sky don't lie now. Sky turn, don't lie. To turn it on. If I were to do what he did, that back judge is throwing that flag, okay? To the middle of the field, all right? So, yeah. Earlier you mentioned about, you know, taking care of your family. That's very important for you. And um, obviously we all know this game isn't going to last that long. We had a rookie on earlier, Jamal Williams, running back. Young guy just getting his feet wet. You've been in the league for a long time now. What are you doing to prepare for the transition, you know, life after football? Are you doing anything, businesses, classes? You know, I watch a lot of Shark Tank. Okay. I watch a lot of Profit, Marcus <laughs> Limonis, and uh, Billion Dollar Buyer, Tillman Fertitta. Um, I think those guys, you, you, when you see guys that have billions. Right and see how they treat people, you understand that it's not just about, oh, what, what doing whatever I can do to make a dollar. Mm -hmm. You know, you learn how to build relationships, you learn how to talk to people, and uh, watching those shows, I think, um, really helping, showing me how I need to be in conducting business post-career. Post and uh, my wife, she's an accountant, so, that helps a lot. Yeah. Uh, okay, all right. Know, that, <laughs> that you married up there. You know, she teaches me a lot. Things that I, when we go have meetings and sit down and there's things I don't understand, afterwards I'll say, 
So what was said in that? <laughs> what was said in there? <laughs> who was saying who to what? So I'm always trying to educate myself, find out, you know, things that I can do to, to better myself, not just as a, as a player, as a father, as a husband, but right. a, as a businessman when I'm done. That's great. Man, Verge, you talk about the game. Let's go back to the game. Again, we're talking with Virgil Green, tight end in the NFL. It's your eighth career, eighth year now. I'm right? going into my eighth year. My yeah. God, yeah. you're old. Now talk about that <laughs> progression, you know. As a rookie, for me, it was always I, I can't even think about anything else. I'm trying to get my groceries, get be home for the, for the window for cable to arrive, and then all of a sudden you go through the period of time like we talked about where you're focusing on breathing and performance. But for you, what were the high and low points throughout your career so far? Well, definitely the lowest point was coming in during a lockout, you know, um, not having OTAs, not having wow. mini camp. Yeah. Um, getting a call July 26th saying, oh, the lockout's over, you're on the next flight out. Yeah. And competing for a job when you know nothing. Yeah. You don't right. know the plays. <laughs> right. you, know the, you don't know where I, your locker yeah. is. I'll never forget. They said, if you don't know what to do when you break the huddle, ask the quarterback. I asked Kyle Lord, and I said, hey, Kyle, uh, I don't know what to do. He said, you know what to do, buddy. No. That's why I asked you. <laughs> so, somebody's <laughs> lying to me. Please tell me. <laughs> so uh, you definitely learn how to educate yourself real quick on the plays and how to find ways um, the script, looking yeah. at the script before practice was, are there. was huge. Yeah. It's like your coach tells you what plays you're going to be in on. How do you go in and then mess that play up? Right. Now, when 18 got to Denver, it was a little different. Yeah. You could study that script front and back, but when he sees that defense and he want to change something, he better know what to do. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then going on into, you know, the, the mid part of my career thus far, Getting a guy like Peyton, understanding this guy's been in the league 16, 17 years, and he's still in here preparing like he's a rookie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, taking notes. Early. Showing Wanna, up in his workout gear. Sure, you know, showing up to the facility in his workout gear. Ready to go. So you just see a guy like that and understand that he hasn't been successful just because he's one of the coldest to ever do it. He's successful because he puts the time in. The stuff he would do in the, in the training room, um, therapy, treatment. I've never seen a guy work harder. And this is a guy who could just say, I'm, I'm the sheriff. Mm -hmm. I can slang that rock, do <laughs> right, whatever, right, you know. Yep. But that's not how he is. So you just learn how to study, how to prepare, how to keep your body mentally and physically ready to play this brutal game. Um, Virgil, finally from us, I know you've got to get off. You're a popular man today, but you are hitting free agency as of this season. I mean, these are guys that could probably give you more advice on that period than, than I ever could. But what's your plans now? What are the aims for this year? Have you already talked with your agent? How are things going right now? Um, you know, really right now, I'm just focused on training. Um, I know I, I've put enough on tape where I'm comfortable. I'm not worried about, oh, if a team thinks I can play this game. I think a lot of teams know I can play this game. Um, I love being in Denver. Uh, I, I love the atmosphere. I love the fans. Um, I, I love the stadium, but ultimately I know this is a business and I have to go who to where who wants me. Whoever wants me to play, I will play and I will give everything um, when I break that huddle, you know, in between those, the line of scrimmage. I'm going to find a way to win. That's my, that's my goal. I always find a way to win. So um, just training and being ready for whoever gives me a call. Lorenzo Ryan, any words of advice? 
for Virgil at this stage. Well, we know. need some help to learn how to win the championship, man. Come on to Buffalo, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need one of them. Yeah. I need to be wearing the ring here <laughs> soon, yeah, too, man. man. I don't got too many left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing like it, man. All I'll say to Virg, man, I knew you before at free agency. I'll know you after free yeah. agency, man. My brother, I ain't worried about it. You got my number, man. Yeah, you yeah. got my number. Amazing <laughs> stuff. Uh, Virgil Green, tight end. Cur of the Denver Broncos, but who knows next season. Yeah, we'll Thank see. you so much for your time. Yes, sir. Thank no you. No worries, man. So we just finished speaking with uh, Virgil Green, tight end. <laughs> Finishes speaking with Virgil Green, tight end uh, of the Denver Broncos. Well, like I said, free agency is, is where he's headed now, so we're not exactly sure where he'll be next season. Uh, but we're still, you know, when you've still got 10 minutes with... Lorenzo Alexander and Ryan Harris. You, you don't waste those 10 minutes. You, you take some time <laughs> and find some other stuff to talk about. You, you guys have both been guys who have moved in your career. Right. I know Virgil said, you know, I'm, I'm happy with what I've put on tape. I believe that, you know, I'm, I'm going to get the right opportunity. But what is it like entering that period of time? What's, what's the, you know, the feeling on your shoulders when you know that you've got to go out there and find that next job? I think when you've played well and put good film on tape and you're confident in what you've done as a player, um, there's a little bit of ease uh, from a standpoint of being wanted. Um, his agent probably already knows three or four teams um, that have mentioned, like, hey, if you know Virgil comes up, uh, we're going to be interested. He probably don't know numbers. Um, the only uneasy part I have for me is always, you know, taking that leap of faith and moving away from a situation where you've had some, some uh, a lot of success, uh, comfort, uh, familiarity, and trying to take a leap of faith, and now you're moving into a different market. A new fan base. You have to move, uproot your family. Seems like that's very important to him. And moving them to a new place. And now, how's that going to play out? Is the scheme going to be the same? Are still going to be going to perform? Are people going to call me? You know, uh, you know, I'm trolling. I'm I'm looking for just the money. You know, all that stuff kind of plays in your mind. Some things are obviously a lot more important uh, than others. But those are the kind of things that I kind of thought about. You know, last year. Um, and he's you know year eight. Um, and I don't know exactly where he is about moving his family and if he has kids or not, but that was something that was really big for me, um, especially having uh, three kids at the house, you know, moving them from a, to a new school. I mean, it's a, it's a great question you ask because free agency is total, okay? You can't help but to think, oh, I'm going to sign that big deal that I've been waiting for. Uh, for me, that didn't happen until the last deal of my career. So when free agency opened, I was like texting my agent, call my agent, hey, where are we going? What's going on? He's like, hey, you know, teams are interested, like, like Lorenzo said. But sometimes with those teams, Will, they, they say, hey, you know, we'll take Will, but we're going to kind of see what it shakes out. What that means is we're going to see how low of a price we can get Will for. Right. Because if they're one of four teams, they've got to pay up. If they're one of one teams, well, they get to offer you a deal, and now it's your decision if that's the best place. You also have to decide – what you're willing to do. I mean, my family and I, we moved 18 times in five years, and we had two kids just because of the I signed three consecutive one-year deals. You had to move. So right. it's complex, and I think the biggest thing about free agencies from the player standpoint is you have to maintain and increase your confidence no matter what happens. You can't lose your confidence in your abilities because a team's not smart. There's a lot of stupid teams out there. I mean, there are a lot of teams who, who pick dumb players, bad players, and, and give them, pay them a lot of money. And, and there'll, be, there'll right. be two or three contracts that they sign this free agency. The Lorenzo and I will say, why the hell are they paying that guy? Right. So you have to build and maintain your confidence in free agency because just because a team doesn't get you right away, just because you don't get the deal you want, doesn't mean you can't be a great player. So you have to maintain that belief in yourself the entire time.
Yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out right. for Virgil and, and always free agency. Uh, we're doing a big issue with Gridiron Magazine on free agency this year, so it's a question we'll always, we're asking a lot of guys how they went through and... and the stories are so varied and yeah. uh, you know some guys will get the right deal day one they're happy with it they feel right. at home at the place and they they just go for it yeah. some guys wait until right up until you're into training camps and they're still sweating on it and they end up going on having a really productive year yeah yeah and I, and that was me um my last year in oakland um i signed a one-year deal there um they didn't sign me back and i was a late signee i didn't wait till training camp but i had to play on a minimum deal and I'm like, man, I'm looking at my, you know, the career I had built and the worth I thought I had built, and now I have to go play on a minimum deal. And I think sometimes it's hard to separate your your worth as a player and an athlete, what you bring to the game, to what somebody's paying you. Because obviously it doesn't always add up. Sometimes you get paid more than what you, you actually bring, and sometimes you get paid a lot less than what Most you bring to the time. Most times you get paid right. a lot <laughs> right. less than you do. And so that's a struggle, too, in itself, just trying to understand that and come to grips to that. But you're like, okay, if I still want to live my dream, this is my only offer, or and all, or the, I have two offers, and they're both the same. I got to take one and try to produce, and then maybe I can hit free agency again next year and better yourself. And for me, it worked, but all all the time, it doesn't always work out like that. Yeah, uh, guys. While we've still got five minutes left, it would probably be a bit remiss to not talk about Super Bowl Fifty Two. It's the reason why <laughs> yeah. we're all here. <laughs> two days away from the big game. I started this week. Being totally having, I've I've only covered four Super Bowls at this point, including okay. this one. So two of those have involved the Patriots. Both of them have involved big, big comebacks, and both of them have involved incredible coaching. And I think I went into this week going, well, the Patriots are so well coached, the Eagles haven't got a chance. And then as I've spoken to more and more experts and guys who know a lot more about this game than just some nerd who watches it week in week out, like I do. I'm getting convinced more and more and talks more and more around, particularly, Ryan, about the battle in the trenches between yeah. these two teams and that even if the Patriots do win, that it's going to be a lot tighter than I've got it in my mind right now. Well, the thing you've got to look for is the best team wins this game. It's always team over talent, not just in the NFL, but really in every sport. Right. And, and unfortunately, it's tough because... It, with Tom Brady, we're at the point where it's like, hey, we got to stop betting against this guy. You got to right. just start appreciating <laughs> yeah. greatness. I mean, yeah. like people weren't yelling at Michelangelo when he was painting, Man. like, oh, you suck, or oh, you're not going to make a great painting. Like, we have to appreciate greatness. At the same time, you have to appreciate the fact that the the the, 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 the Eagles are a great team. They got here with Nick Foles. No one thought that could happen. So how do you bet against a team that everybody's called an underdog their entire playoff run here? And how do you bet against a guy who's won 15% of all Super Bowls played? I mean, it's a tough spot to be in. It definitely is. And um, I'm, I'm one of those guys that's, you know, I, I can't continue to bet against Tom Brady. I've done it. I continue to do it, obviously, because I'm in the NFC East. I don't like him seeing the win, especially the Patriots. Um, but I can't, I can't do it. And in my mind, I think the Eagles are built to beat them. Right. I just don't think they're going to be consistent enough to beat them. And that's where most teams – uh, far short. The details. The details. Because you don't walk off the field when you lose to the Patriots feeling like they just physically dominated you. And, like, man, you look up and you're like, man, how did they beat us by, you know, 14 points? So how did they come back? It's little things. It's things that people don't see. Field position, special teams. Uh, thinking of Matt Slater and that kickoff team, how they – most teams were playing in the dome. Most teams are kicking out of the end zone. Right. Right? Don't, don't worry about a kickoff return. They won't. They're going to pooch kicking, pin him in the corner, and create field position that way and get kicks, you know, maybe starting on the 15-yard line. 
And now you put Nick Foles in a position where he has to drive the distance every single time versus getting that, that extra maybe 10 yards and they get a first down and then they can flip the field. So little things like that are going to play a big dividend in this game. And you look at it too with the Jacksonville game against New England. Jacksonville had had four, six penalties in like four minutes in the second quarter. <laughs> yeah. Like that's what the that's how you lose against the Patriots. You cannot have penalties. You cannot be stupid. You have to play a tight game. You cannot beat yourself. So it's really going to come down to execution. If the Eagles can execute, the Eagles will win. Um, is Jim Schwartz is a guy I know you know someone who can game plan to deal with Tom Brady. Yeah, he can game plan, but he's going to do what he did all year. I mean, they, I mean, if you watch him, they play single high, they line up in it, let you know what they're doing. They play cover three, cover one. It's going to come down to the matchups. That's what football is all about, the matchups within the game. You know, what does Fletcher Cox do against uh, Thune? Matt, Mason, Michael, Je Michael in, Jenkins inside. against Gronk. Right, you know, exactly. How, how do they double team him or take him away? What, is, what, what does Brandon Graham do on the outside rushing uh, versus uh, Nate Soldier? Those things are what's going to matter within the game because everybody at this point, you know what coordinators like to call. You know people's tendencies. Who's going to show up in that game, play loose, play free, and go out there and make plays at the end of the day? And that's who's going to end up winning this game, whoever makes the most plays the longest and plays good sound football. And you mentioned the special teams element, kicking it deep, pinning them back. Right. One thing the Patriots have done, and, and our editor at Gridiron pointed this out, and I think it's not been talked about at all, kickoffs they've changed the rules and what the Patriots do better than anyone else in the league is kick the ball to the one yard line yeah they make, yard line they make you return it and, and make you return they it. put a lot of hang time because Gaskowski can obviously kick it out anytime he wants to and I play him every year so this is what they do and Matthew Slater is healthy now he was hurt mo mostly during the season I watched him in the playoff game this dude is back to like all pro pro bowler form and why he's been like eight times down a row uh is flying down on kickoffs being disruptive, making a lot of plays, and they will continue to do that, but that's the hitting yardage people don't don't see in the game because, you know, it's a kickoff. Okay, let's go to the bathroom right now, and then we'll come back and watch Tom or whoever whoever's playing. Um, so, But that's going to be key as far as the hitting yardage and winning that field position, just the same way they beat uh, Jacksonville last week. They started playing their field position game. Okay, y'all going to stop us? We'll punt, pin uh, Blake Bortles, and make you drive the field. And if you, I don't think uh, Nick Foles is going to be able to do that consistently. Well, Ryan, you were on the last team to beat them in the playoffs. So, yeah, I can tell you how them. that was. Yeah, well. <laughs> that front four. Well, yeah, well, one, you got to get to him. You got you to hit Brady. That's, that's maybe the, the thing that we don't know most about Tom Brady is that when he gets hit, he probably gets flustered the most out of any quarterback in the NFL. The problem is he usually doesn't get hit. He gets that ball off. The biggest key to beating the Patriots is not caring that it's the Patriots. It is extremely hard when you see the sun shine off of that silver helmet to not see the glory that the, every championship team has enjoyed for those Patriots. It's extremely hard when you hear the silky, angelic voice of Tom Brady screaming at Gronkowski not to think, wow, that's Tom Brady talking, right? <laughs> like, and, if, and I'm on offense thinking that on the sidelines. I couldn't imagine being like Lorenzo on the field, hearing that voice, having that thought. Now, he's played against Tom Brady enough to where he doesn't care anymore. Right. But those are tough things to, to handle, and the Eagles have not played have not played the New England Patriots this year. So they are going to have first-time experiences with one of the greatest franchises in the NFL. If they don't care, they will be successful. If they hesitate for a minute or think a thought about angelic voices and the silver shining helmets, they will lose this game. Yep. And that's what the Patriots want them to do. Who do you think is going to win? Patriots, 24-17. 
I'm pulling for the Eagles because my guy Brandon Brooks. Hey, you know, <laughs> yeah. for, you you know we're here on Talk him. Sport. Great Britain, right. watch the left guard, Brandon Brooks, this game. Brandon Brooks is one of the best left guards in the entire NFL. He plays for the Eagles. Just watch what he does when the Eagles are on offense. You will learn so much about the game of football. Oh, I've been talking about the right side of their line all week. Now I feel bad that it's the left guard. <laughs> well, I, I played with Brandon, so I know. So, but but he is he's about 340 pounds, and 300 pounds of it is below his waist. Uh, Lorenzo Alexander, Ryan Harris, it's been a genuine pleasure spending the last hour with you guys and chatting to a few other players, and uh, thank you so much for your time. And, uh, yeah, let's do this again. Let's get you on the phone. Let's get you on over in the UK because it was really good fun. Thanks, guys. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate it. You. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.